Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined, as I always am, by my main man, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how you doing? I really wish you were joined in real life right now, Mr. Living the Dream at Marriott Beach Club in Panama City Beach. It's it's Panama City Beach adjacent. I'm not actually on the beach. I'm just kind of near yeah. the beach. I don't know. Like, joined virtually through Zoom, not joined in real life with a Publix meatball sub going down my throat looking at palm trees in the, in the ocean. So Yeah, like, this, this guy's over here complaining about it when he's, like, leaving for Mexico in 10 minutes. No, I know, but it's just like this is – if I were to work, work a full week writing stories about the national championship game, I'd want to do it while looking at a hot tub. I mean, in an ocean like you. And Publix is the thing that we're not talking about the most here. Yeah, pu- Publix is, is, is the key here. Publix is uh, five minutes from where I'm staying. Picked up a chicken tender sub the other day. It was uh, life-changing. Um, and I will be back there later this afternoon and probably eat another chicken tender sub. Do you sub. think that they have chicken tender subs in Cabo? Okay, debate over. No, no, probably not. Probably <laughs> not. Okay, I, okay, I win. Uh, Ohio State and Alabama are playing in the national championship, in case you hadn't heard. It's on on January 11th in Miami, which is why I am in Florida. I just never left. Left the Sugar Bowl, just stayed down here. So I'm still in Florida, waiting to head to South Florida later in the week to cover the Buckeyes and the Crimson Tide. Uh, we're going to do a couple more shows this week leading into that game. We'll eventually get to our picks. We're not going to do that just yet, but we're going to talk about the game a little bit. Some of the things are in front of mind for us uh, as we try to decide how we think it might go, whether or not we think Ohio State can win, which is like a realistic conversation that I don't think either of us thought we were going to be having 10 days ago. But I, I think both of us think Ohio State has a shot in this game, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about why. Uh, maybe we'll get into some of the Urban Meyer NFL stuff that seems even more real than, than when we last discussed it uh, a couple weeks ago. But let's start with a little bit of news, Ari. Justin Fields uh, got dinged up in the Sugar Bowl, in case you hadn't heard. And he did not do his scheduled media availability on Monday. It was a Zoom call. It was supposed to be with Ryan Day, uh, Justin Fields, and Tuff Borland, the head coach and the MVPs, Nick Saban, Devontae Smith, and Patrick Sertain did one as well. Justin Fields did not show up. Trey Sermon took his place. Um, Ryan Day was asked, I would say, like 15 questions, and probably 10 of them were about Justin Fields. And like Justin Fields leaving the game with an injury, coming back, wincing in pain while he's throwing footballs, like has become a little bit of a thing. Um, I fully expect him to play against Alabama. Ryan Day said he fully expects him to play against Alabama. But like, what do you like? Is this a thing for you? Because this feels like typical football stuff to me. But for some reason, I guess because he's high profile and we're in the, in the national championship now, it's getting talked about in a way that, that seems like disproportionate to, you know, stuff that happens every Saturday in college football. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was interesting because everybody was speculating while watching the game collectively that he had broken ribs. And I think that it's easy to uh, look at it through the mindset that he did, you know, and if he came back with broken ribs that quickly, then you're afraid. But that's completely an assumption. And, you know, the idea of going into the tent, being looked at by medical uh 
medical personnel and, and being told, hey, you can go back into the football game is uh, certainly something that we see quite often. So, you know, we got to remember that everybody in the country was watching this game. It looked like a pretty serious injury just from just the way it looked. I mean, getting hit with Skalski's crown of his helmet, <laughs> I think I would die if that happened to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I think it's just something to talk about. I, I don't know that anything egregiously wrong happened. I don't even We don't even know what the nature of the injury is. And I think the real root of this here, Bill, is – the quote that he gave at the end of the game of what was your diagnosis and Justin Fields said I don't I didn't get a diagnosis and then that was kind of the catalyst of what caused everybody to flip out a little bit and it's just like you're good to go I think is a good enough good enough thing to say to somebody if they want to play you know if he's I don't feel like Ohio State put somebody out there who was in danger so if that's what people are worked up about then maybe you should choose a different sport to watch because that's something that happens all the time yeah, and I also think, um, quote, I didn't get a diagnosis might just be a nice way of saying I'm not telling you what's wrong with me <laughs> because, uh, I mean, Justin Fields, I guess, throughout his career has been somewhat forthcoming. Like, he told us about his his thumb in the Northwestern game, but he didn't really tell us what was going on with his knee last year, and, like, Ohio State doesn't get into injury specifics. A lot of teams don't do that. So, Justin Fields could have just said that as a way of, of dodging the question. I don't know if they – like I, I guess it's possible he went into the tent, they gave him something to help him with the pain, and then he went back on the field and they just said you're good to go without telling him literally anything about what was wrong with him. I would think that that's probably not what happened. Um, but I'm also not surprised or wouldn't be surprised if Justin Fields sat down in that chair for a Zoom call after the game and didn't want to divulge you know, his or was, own personal medical information. Or was told not to. Or he was told not to, yeah, which again – happens just about everywhere in college football like i get like ohio state is playing in the national championship there's two teams left playing justin fields is as high profile as it gets in in college football and if you have a problem i guess with like just generally how injuries are handled in college football i think that's fair and valid and true and i would agree with you but it's also like what what happened is not anything that's like unique to ohio state like that's football football is very dirty football's a dirty game guys are playing hurt all the time um, they take things to help numb that pain so they can get out onto the field. It happens literally every Saturday and Sunday and Thursday. Anytime you're watching a football game, probably half the guys out there are dealing with something like that. Um, so I don't know why this has become a, like more of a thing. And maybe it's not as much of a thing as I'm making it out to be, but it feels like it is. And that feels sort of like the wrong tenor unless you're about to launch a crusade against football in general. Yeah, uh, I don't know that I've seen anything of anybody – outwardly criticizing i've seen a few tweets about you know how he should have known his diagnosis and and all that stuff and it's also like you said you don't know exactly what he knew or what they knew but let's put it this way too bill if he was in any actual real danger i'm not saying that he's not in pain i'm not even saying he's not hurt but he was fine (laughs) i mean he threw six interceptions or six incompletions and six touchdown passes. So it's like, I don't know the extent of the injury. Justin Fields they might not even know the extent of the injury, even though I'm sure we both think that he does. Uh, but it was a gutsy performance, and if he was se- severely, severely injured, he couldn't throw a pass of the way. I mean, he threw – after he got – he came back into the game, didn't he throw like a 70-yard pass in the air? Yeah, well, his very first play when he came back into the game, he threw a touchdown on a sprint out to – Jeremy Ruckert, I think. Or, you know, it was Chris a Olave. tight end. No, it was Chris Olave. Um, no, was it a tight end? Doesn't matter. He threw a, he threw a touchdown on the sprint out pass, and then like immediately after throwing the ball, he started grabbing his side and like limped off the field. And then he went to the injury deck yeah. and came back out, and he played the rest of the game, and he threw like 19 more touchdowns. And he did throw that one that was like 70 yards in the air. He threw the bullet to Jeremy Ruckert. Like he 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 didn't run as much. He took another big hit and like got up slow, but. I'm sure it hurt like hell to be playing. Yeah, nobody's saying it didn't hurt. And he he didn't look hindered (laughs) in playing. And I think if it was something super, super serious, um, he wouldn't have been able to do that stuff. I think the more interesting thing, Bill, is how this could impact Ohio State's game plan going forward. Because I I think the assumption here is that he's going to play. And it's one of these things of if you don't know what the actual injury is specifically, then it's hard to diagnose or, or try to at least come up with a time frame in our, in our made-up non-doctor brains to come up with that sort of thing. Uh, but when you're in a, a situation where you're playing Alabama and you've got 10 days to rest up, you know, somebody who's in his physical shape and somebody who has as much resources that he, as he does in terms of, you know, medical care and, and um, rehab and all the things that a, a person with an, a rib injury might might need, I think 10 days is kind of a lot. 
Um, yeah. It might not be it a is. lot if his ribs are fractured, but assuming that he's in a good enough spot to play the way that he did, Ryan Day said that he woke up feeling better than they thought he would. You know, all the things that in terms of a, a rehabilitation, rehabilitation standpoint, he's got all the resources in the world. But the thing that I thought was interesting is that at the beginning of the game, Ohio State was running Justin Fields like they like it was the last game of the year, can't hold anything back type thing. Mm-hmm. And then once that hit happened, that stuff stopped. And rightfully so, because they didn't want him to get hit again. The thing I think is interesting is, is it, what will the game plan look like against Alabama? And if he can't run the way that they wanted to run and how they designed him to run against the Clemson game, does that make it? Does that change your view of what Ohio State's offense is capable of against the Crimson Tide? It does, but I don't know. Like, his his not running against Clemson, I don't think, was because he couldn't run. It's because he didn't want him to get hit. Right, exactly. Um, so, so I think, like, his maneuverability in the pocket, stepping up, stepping out, throwing on the run, like, none of that stuff really seemed to change against Clemson. And I think he did run the ball once or twice on scrambles after after he got hurt in the, in the Sugar Bowl. So if if it's if it's something that like you're just so afraid of him getting hit that like you're not going to run him in the red zone on design stuff when you're trying to finish drives, I think that's an issue. Um but I also don't think we're there. Um and if he's just sore, I think that can dissipate by the time they get to the national championship game on on Monday night. And I I I think he'll be, you know, the fully formed version of, of Justin Fields or as fully formed as a guy can be after playing seven games or whatever it's been. Um so if he can't do it, then yeah, that that's a huge issue because I think he needs to do it for Ohio State to keep pace with Alabama. But I, I am anticipating that he will be able to do it. Yeah, I think that's an important dynamic of the game. And Ohio State hasn't really been put in a situation where they need to rely on that much, Bill. and Or not rely on it, even willing to do it. So the fact that mm-hmm. they were able to do it, you know, at the beginning of the game, it was working. You know, in even the first third down call of the game, they did a little JT right action there. And, you know, even though that didn't work, I think that adding that element of of keeping it on the zone reads and designed runs for the quarterback completely changes the dynamic of the way that you have to defend Ohio State because so many teams – um, in the past two years have been able to just assume that he's going to give the ball in, in a situation where he has a choice because he's given it so often. And, you know, if he's a very gifted runner and a very gifted athlete, and having that dynamic in Ohio State's offense gives them an element to the run game that's absolutely necessary to go in conjunction with Trey Sermon and to open up the passing game and, you know, all the things that come along with having a running threat quarterback. So I think it's going to be very interesting to track – I don't know if it's just bad bad luck for Justin, but it feels like every time we're in a game uh, or talking about a game that's of these magnitudes that he's dealing with something, whether it be the knee injury in the playoff last year, the thumb going into last week, and now the rib cage. But it's like so funny to me, Landis, that like going into the playoff, you would make the point that Ohio State was fresher and healthier, and that's going to give them a big advantage going into the into the game. And I think you could probably make the case that Ohio State is far more banged up than Alabama right now. I don't know. Alabama is missing its starting center, and Jalen Waddell apparently might play. Like there, there's reports out that he's practicing this week. What did what did you make of that? Is that do you think Jalen Waddell is going to play, or is that somebody like, hey man, why don't you put out there that Jalen Waddell is going to practice this week and give Ohio State something else to worry about? I saw that like. Somebody sent me a text that said, what do you think this is going to do with the Waddle news uh, to the betting line? And I said, what Waddle news? He's not playing. He broke his ankle. And, <laughs> and he said, he returned to practice today. And I was like, what? If, I don't even know if you can make Alabama's offense better. <laughs> so, like, I yeah. guess add him into the mix. But that is insane to me. It'd be pretty crazy if he played. I remember watching the SEC championship game and like Jalen Waddles on the sideline, like like looking like he can hardly walk. <laughs> so like now he's gonna play in the national championship. Um I'm I'm skeptical. Maybe they'll put him out there, but I don't think that he's gonna be in any kind of condition to like truly, truly impact the game. But I suppose it does make Kerry Combs week a little more hectic if he thinks Jalen Waddle's gonna be out there. Yeah, I mean absolutely. What when we came into the year, if I would have asked you in week one, who's the better receiver, Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle? Is Waddle the more popular answer? I think everyone probably would have said Waddle. I mean, or, like uh, that's the type. Yeah, of, but that's the type of athlete we're talking about here. That's not like pretty good player returns. It's like they're bringing in another potential Bolitnikov winner. Yeah, who hasn't played in three months? <laughs> I know, no, I know, but if he's <laughs> able to play, even eighty percent of that guy is dangerous. 
Yeah, no, no, that's true. Eighty percent of Jalen Waddle is dangerous, but I think like if he plays, it might be like forty percent of Jalen Waddle. Although that's still pretty dangerous. Yeah, I mean, forty percent of Jalen Waddle would start at eighty-five percent of the other schools yeah. at the one. Forty percent of Jalen Waddle is is the best receiver in the Big Ten who's not at Ohio State. Forty percent of Jalen Waddle sounds like a good ska band name. <laughs> Um, let's move off the Justin Fields thing, um, but real quick, just I want to wrap up with this. Uh, like they, they stopped running him after he got hurt, or ran him far far less after he got hurt. They were also up three touchdowns, I think. I think the the one that he threw as soon as he came back into the game put them up twenty eight fourteen. Then it was thirty five fourteen, and then they were. I think it was a three score game the rest of the way. Um, so you're less incentivized, I think, to run your quarterback in that situation too. So if it was a closer game, maybe they would have ran him more, but. Regardless, I think I think Justin Fields is going to be okay, and they're going to use him whatever way they need to use him to win a game um, against Alabama on Monday night. I agree. You had you had a uh, a thing you wanted to talk about. Like, what what was your question to me about the the Ohio State Clemson game and sort of where that ranks in Ohio State history and how that frames our our thinking for the national championship? Two th- well, let's not just go all the way back to Ohio State history because I don't want to like consider the Sorry, super recent science. recent history. Yeah, recent I history. I uh, was just wondering if you went back to the beginning of the Urban Era in 2012, what wins are more important? I think there's there's two that are unequivocally more important. I think beating Alabama and beating uh, Oregon in the 2014 postseason are the top two because one was slaying the big Alabama beast, and I think is more. I think the 2014 Alabama win is very similar to this year's Clemson win because it's like the boogeyman for Ohio State that they're chasing down. Um, maybe this one was sweeter a little bit because Clemson had been such a problem for them in the recent past. But beating the king of the sport on, on the way to the national championship game, you know, you've got an iconic play from the 2014 game. You've got an iconic player from this year's game. I think they're similar. So, I mean, might want to put them like 2A and 2 2 and 2A. And then, of course, the Oregon game I would put number one, but I would say that of every single win that Ohio State's had dating back to 2012, I think this is the sec- tied for second most important win of program history and like what that means for like Ohio State fans' mindsets, what this means for Ohio State's mindset. And, you know, it almost feels like they already won the national title and they haven't played for it yet because it was such, such an important win from a, a mental standpoint for everybody who's involved in it. I actually think the 2014 Sugar Bowl win is number one by itself at the top of that list, um, and I'm writing a story about that yeah. later this week. I talked with uh, I talked with Urban Meyer on Monday about that, and I was talking with Joshua Perry about it um, on Monday as well. Just like what, and people know like the stories a little bit, like the chase, like Alabama was the target from for Urban for two years, and they finally got there and they beat them. But I think like what Ohio State is right now, this upper echelon program that recruits nationally can recruit against anybody can go anywhere and get any kind of player at once i'm not sure that happens if they don't beat alabama like i think even i don't know what the situation could be like if they if they would have played like florida state in that semifinal and beat florida state and then beat oregon um i don't know ohio state's probably still pretty close to what it is right now but i don't know if it's exactly what it is right now i, do, I really do think that alabama win in 2014 was a program changer and even more so that like you had to finish job and win the national championship, but like knocking off Bama at that time when the playoff era had just started and Bama was coming off owning the end of the BCS era. And then you go and beat them and beat them pretty thoroughly, looked like the better team the entire time, like put your program on even footing with Alabama's. I think that's way more consequential than, than anything else that they've, they've, they've done since Irvin Meyer was here. Yeah, I think that you could make – I mean, I guess I was just too simplistic in my thought process of winning the national championship game means the most because it is the thing that captured a national title. But I think that you absorb the national championship with that game, and it was like the iconic moments that happened because it was so – while winning the national championship is always going to be the reason why they can say undisputed, um, without beating Alabama and slaying that monster, uh, that national championship is impossible. So it gets to absorb that a little bit. And I think that's I think that's right. Um but the fact of the matter is, is that Ryan Day's not even through two full seasons at Ohio State, and I guess you could say a season and a half because they only played six games this year. Right. And I think he already has matched, potentially matched Ohio State's most important win of the past decade. Yeah, I think it's close. I, I, I it depends on. I think in terms of how it's like remembered, 
like the legacy of the win, I think it's pretty close, if not if not even, because of all the stuff that went into it. Like the revenge factor, Dabo ranking them eleventh, how weird this season's been. They were they showed up in that game and they still didn't have guys available. And then like Justin Fields plays out of his mind. Like the way that game is going to be talked about like moving forward, I think is gonna be very similar to the Alabama game. But in terms of like tangible impact on the program, I don't know if that win quite measures up to beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Is it because Ohio State was already recruiting at a high level before the game started? Is that like yeah. your take on that? Yeah, because it's like like it's. I just don't know like how how much better can Ohio State like actually get as a program right now? And like I mean, there was a there was a real tangible step forward after that Alabama game. Okay, let me split off with ask you two separate questions, real quick, based on what you just said. Mm-hmm. One was there a more cathartic win? And I don't know if no. cath- I don't know if cathartic and big are the same. No, but I I don't think so. I think I think that this was the most cathartic result. Um, probably, like, I don't even know. Shoot, I'm trying to think. Like before, I cover, started covering Ohio State. Um, you might even, like it might like is it going back to like Trestle's first Michigan win? Yeah, probably. I mean, those Michigan wins meant more than beating Clemson, but the stages are different, and maybe the stages yeah. are the same because the 2002 team played a really close game against Michigan, and went to the college national championship as a result of beating Michigan. So you could basically say that they, that was their their semifinal and put them on the same stage, but they had beaten Michigan the first year when they had their first, you know, whatever three or four loss season that they had to start the Trestle era off. So beating Michigan, the first, it wasn't the first time coming out of the Cooper era. So I think that that kind of takes away from the luster of, or the cathartic nature of that game. But in terms of, it hasn't been since the 90s where Ohio State got their butts kicked by Michigan when they had better teams that Ohio State has felt owned by somebody. And for a while there, they felt owned by Clemson. So to only remove that label and to win in a very convincing fashion, I think, is maybe the most cathartic Ohio State win of my lifetime. It's, I mean, it's definitely the most cathartic since I've been covering the team in 2014. And just like what I know of, of the recent history before that, I can't think of anything um that would, would come close to matching it because like the beating alabama wasn't catharsis that was like well i think you I could I, I think i could push back on you there a little bit you got to remember right, dating back into 2014 the urban meyer honeymoon was still like what well, that was year three and when urban got hired the entire world thought okay we're bama now and it's kind of the same thing that happened to michigan with harbaugh when they got harbaugh it's like okay we've got our guy that's it we're 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 there but Ohio State went 12-0 and their first year and missed the, the championship game because they were banned from a bowl. The next year, they ran the table again in the regular season, and they lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game, which I think was the first Big Ten championship game ever. No. And, or, oh, it wasn't? It was Ohio State's first, but it wasn't the wasn't That's the what first. I meant. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't yeah, mean the first yeah. edition of it. Ohio State's first Big Ten championship berth. Then they ended up losing to Clemson in the Orange Bowl, then they lost to Virginia Tech at the beginning of last year. So I would say that beating Alabama at the end of the year was Ohio State's realization for the first time that they could compete. Ohio State's always been a great program. But at the end of 2014, they could sit back and say, we beat Alabama, we're the best. And like, Ohio State can't do that right now. So I think there is a cathartic nature to the idea of investment in urban, shitty result at the end of 2013 with national championship hopes, Bringing back the team in 2014, losing at the beginning of the year and thinking you're going to have to wait till year four to compete again at that level. Rattling off those wins, building up, missing key quarterback players, and then beating mm-hmm. Alabama. And not just beating them, but like 85 yards through the heart of the South. Like that run is probably the most iconic play in Ohio State history outside of Holy Buckeye. And I think it's just because Alabama was the big bad wolf that year. Like we wrote every, Doug and I, everything we wrote was through the lens of Alabama. And, like, Alabama wasn't talking shit the way that Clemson did. Or they hadn't beat them three times in a row like Clemson had. So maybe that, like, the Dabo, like, Nick Saban isn't a cartoon character that you can get mad about. He's just really good. So maybe it's a little bit different. But I do think that, like, that game was very cathartic for Ohio State fans because it was the first confirmation of their ability to compete at that level. And, like, after that point, we started putting Ohio State in the context of that. And they weren't in that context before Urban's arrival. Yeah, for sure. No, I I agree with that definitely. This 
I guess they're just they're, they're just cathartic for different reasons. Yeah. Um, I think it's just like Twitter catharticism where you just like right. you now go talk <laughs> shit now to people instead of yeah. people's comments on the story. Like I went back and I looked. Like I wrote a story with Grace Rayner um, last week just talking about how Clemson is a problem for Ohio State both on the field and in recruiting. And all the Clemson fans in that comments were like, shut the hell up. You can't talk shit to Clemson unless you – uh, beat them one time and like all the comments were like this isn't a rivalry win once this isn't a rivalry compete once and then like after the game was over I went back into the story and Ohio State fans were like woof <laughs> and all the replies would be like January 2nd January 2nd January 2nd and I think like part of being the fun of being a fan is being able to talk crap online right so like yeah. now they can do that and it's cathartic for that reason but in terms of program placement I don't know like which one do you think was more dramatic of a shift beating Alabama in 2014 on the way to the national championship. And I guess we have the benefit of the idea of knowing what happened after that game now. Um, but if, like, even if Ohio State would have lost to Alabama in 14 after, or I mean lost to Oregon after beating Alabama, like I still think that that Oregon game and winning the national title is part of the luster of that whole thing. Um, and I think that yeah. this, this game alone stands alone. Because even if Ohio State loses to Bama, like it'll be like, completely reasonable nobody's gonna be like holy shit they lost to bama and then it's just gonna be fine uh so yeah, if they would have if they would have lost to alabama or if they would have uh, no i guess if they would have beat alabama and, and lost to oregon and not finished the job i don't know i still think that'd be beating alabama matters man like i don't, I don't know even if you don't finish the job i still think yeah. that that has a longer lasting impact like if they were to if they were to lose to alabama it's just like okay we're not good enough to be to compete with the SEC, and that's a different thing. But I guess doing the thing that puts you in a position to be what you are is a bigger momentum or a bigger uh, victory in terms of what it means than maintaining what you thought you were. Yeah, but this like that's not to to minimize this win because this win I think this win is important. We talked about it going in. Like there is a there's a bit of a legitimizing factor to beating Clemson the way they did. Like Ohio State was much closer to the upper echelon like like just a tick below it i think going into this game the, the gap was wider going into the sugar bowl in 2014 but even even beating clemson the way they did this year like still elevated ohio state in some sense it just like not as dramatically as it did back in 2014 looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, let me ask you the second part question then uh, to the thing that I was going to say based on an earlier comment. Do you think that if Ohio State beats Alabama that Ohio State has reached its program ceiling? Or do you think that being Alabama and winning five out of eight or whatever it is that they did, the crazy number they did is Ohio State's ceiling? I don't think it's anybody's ceiling. Like I, like that, that's so unheard of like in the history like in the modern history of college football that i wouldn't say that that's anyone's ceiling like I'm, i wouldn't expect anybody to replicate that and not that it's impossible but i would i would never want to put that expectation on somebody because like it's absurd if you sit back and think about it like what nick saban has done is absurd um so yeah i think this is probably the ceiling like when a national title like always being contention for it but win it every couple years like when like twice a decade or three times a decade or something like that. I think we said that before, right? Well, I mean, also the path to it. Like beating Clemson and Alabama on the way to a national championship is like the ultimate. I th- like everybody likes to talk about undisputed. Beating Clemson and Alabama in the same season on the way to a national championship is like, that's it. It's never going to get better than that. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I know winning national championships in bulk and hitting three out of four or four out of seven or, you know, whatever would be 
a way to create a dynasty. And then that, I think that's the absolute, absolute possibility of a ceiling. But doing it this year in year two of, a, of, of your coach while also signing perhaps the greatest recruiting class in the history of all, uh, of all recruiting rankings – and then already putting together a 2022 class that might beat it mm-hmm. while claiming a national championship off the backs of Alabama and Ohio State is the absolute ceiling for where this program could be at this point. They're four quarters away from that. Yeah, and I think, like, so Clemson's won what? Clemson's won two, two in the last five years. Yeah, 2016 and 2018. 2018, right? Like, I think, like, that, like, that, that's, I, I think, like, a one step short of what Alabama was and it was like really humming humming and like like undisputed top of the sport nobody could touch them um I think Ohio State maybe could be like that and maybe maybe they win this year they go to the playoff next year with like with a a bridge year like between like um Justin Fields leaving and maybe CJ Stroud's a starter like he's good but he's not quite good enough and then he's back his second year as a starter and they go to the playoff and win it again like I think two and three years is certainly possible um I just don't want to say like like five and eight is nuts or whatever it is, whatever it was that Saban. Yeah. I think Saban's won like every year, but like three in the last decade or something like that. Yeah, no, I mean. Or four. Trying to to have actual analysis about what they did there and how to duplicate it is almost pointless. You know, yeah. and, and but the thing that's scary to me, Bill, is that this Ohio State team is fractured. Like, they're, it's not great. It's not the greatest team they've had. And it's just like, I also think that I'm leaning towards picking them in the national title game. Well, it's... And, it might be the greatest offense they've had. It might be the greatest offense they've had. I guess if you take – you would take this year's offense after what you saw in the Clemson game over last year's offense? Yes, I'm there now. Okay, what changed? Better. They throw it better? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess when you add uh, Ezekiel Elliott to last year's offense and then give Garrett Wilson and Olave another year of <laughs> maturation and then add the offensive line into the mix and have a five-star offensive tackle who can come in and play guard in the middle of a game and, and blow people off the ball, I guess you can make that point. It's, like, crazy yeah. to me. Like, No, I, I guess if you take – like, if you took the aggregate of last year's offense and the aggregate of this year's offense, maybe you'd take last year's. But – um, if I'm taking peak version of, of either one, I'm taking peak version of this year's. So you're getting to the point now where you think it's possible that this team is better than last year's? Or do you think that just offensively speaking that's the case? Just offensively speaking, the defense is, I think, somewhat significantly worse. Um, the gap like the gap between the two defenses is wider than the gap between the two offenses, but I do think the offense is better. Um, and I think that matters more right now in like modern college football so but i don't like overall man the man strength the strength i probably would take last year's team but offenses i I don't think twice i don't i don't think anymore about taking this offense yeah i mean i I could get behind that it's just funny to think that if this year's team does it and they beat alabama yes there's never going to be another justin fields again but with the talent that they are stacking up, both at the quarterback position, the skill position players, and on the lines on both sides of the football, like Ohio State is – let me ask you this. Who's more set up for the future coming off a hypothetical national championship? This year, Ohio State beating Bama, are they better off for the next three- or four-year run than the 2014 team was when they beat Alabama? Like, when Ohio State won the national championship in 2014 – we all thought it was the beginning of a new dynasty because the entire team was coming back. Ohio State's recruiting was through the roof. Urban Meyer was still at the peak of being urban. And it was just like, holy crap, I cannot believe what this team is now going to become after beating Alabama and Oregon and winning a national title. And then obviously that never happened. If Ohio State wins a national championship this year, I think that it's reasonable to expect that they could win two out of the next five it's hard because, like, everyone came back after they won the title in 2014, and they're going to lose a lot after this year. But if you think back on it, like, the, the 2014, 15, 16 recruiting classes at Ohio State were were good, like, really good classes. Like, any, 99% of college football would sign up for those classes tomorrow and, like, take years off their life to get it. But they don't really stack up to what they're doing now. So... Like immediately next year, like ability to repeat, I think is is somewhat significantly lower. But the ability to win multiple championships over a three or four or five two out of the span, next five, I think is, I think is much higher them, with this. I think it's much higher with this team right now. Two out of the next five would give them 
if Ohio State wins this year, three out of six. And I think that comes dangerously close to matching what Alabama did. Yeah. It comes close. Like it's, 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 yeah, it's not, it's not exactly it, but it comes close. Yeah. I, I, just like, I just think Ohio State's peak ceiling in a one-year period, it can't get better than this. Elite-level class, Clemson, Bama, boom, and that's it. It's just like you build to, for this result. Like They're four quarters away from all the message board posts and all the freaking out and all the speculation and getting through this, all this shit all comes together to get to this perfect season. It can never so get we- better than that. Are we uh, are we crowning them national champs, or is that what we're doing? No, right no, now? no. I'm just talking about hypothetically speaking, <laughs> hypothetically. program positioning right now. Yeah, where they're at right now, they're four quarters away from the epitome of of accomplishment at this at this university in terms of ceiling. Yeah, it doesn't even matter what those four quarters look like. It could be three to nothing. It could be sixty five to sixty one. If they win that football game, that's it. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, just all, all that matters is that they're one holding the trophy at the end. It doesn't matter what it looks yeah. like. <laughs> how, how, how it could be the grossest, there. ugliest game in the world, and Ohio State uh, will have accomplished something that that you build an entire program around the millions of dollars, the Woody Hayes facility, everything that they do is for this for this type of season. And it's like I don't know if you think that the fourteen season was that, but they lost a game in the fourteen season. So I think you could like take a little bit of, like away from it. And I guess you could add a Heisman Trophy to the mix if you really wanted to be perfect. Like I don't know, like maybe Clemson's or LSU's year last year was the most perfect year a, a team could have. Uh, but I think when you add the recruiting results and the fact that their coach is young and, and invigorated by what's going on, like I don't know that you could take. Let's put it this way: you couldn't buy stock in any other program over Ohio State if they win on on Monday. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that. I think that's true. Or like it's at their stock is is at worst as valuable as is they're probably Amazon. Alabama's. They're Amazon. Yeah. What's the equivalent? Is there another stock that's as valuable as, as Amazon? More valuable. Apple. Or you mean from market cap? Apple's the most, uh, the largest company in the world. But Amazon, I mean, Apple's probably the better example because Apple's actually increased in value uh, over the course of the past year even more than Amazon. Believe what about that? Uh, what about that Chinese Tesla that Tim May? Uh, you know, Tim May. If you're listening, thanks, bud. Tim May told me to buy this stock called Neo Limited at four last year, and now it's at fifty-one. That sounds good. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know what the stock market is, or how it works, or why people do it, but that sounds good. Tim May of Letterman Row. <laughs> Love you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. Ari is putting a pool in his place because of Tim May. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about a pool, but you know. All right, so we're gonna uh, we're, we'll give our picks later this week, but I think we're we're inching closer to, to talking about what it would mean if Ohio State wins. I think we can inch a little closer to whether or not we think Ohio State can win. And you uh, and Jesse Temple, our colleague who covers Wisconsin, you do the big football show Friday pick show with him, and I know you guys have that on the books already. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're but you pick against the spread. And yeah, I'm assuming against the spread. I'm assuming you both picked Ohio State against the spread, right? I, I did, yeah. yeah. Well, the current think, spread, which have two scores, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And and I don't know what my pick is yet, but I'm I'm at the very least going to pick Ohio State to cover. But you said Jesse asked you an interesting question when you were doing that, right? And it was, where does Ohio State have an identifiable advantage against Alabama? Yeah, like what would you say? Like if if you he asked me if you were to say coming into this game because we know that Alabama is. Goliath, where you would say Ohio State has a distinct advantage in this football game, and I had a hard time coming up with a distinct answer to that question, and you were very quick to answer it. I wasn't, and I didn't answer it the same way that you did, Um, but that's a really tough decision because it's like, I guess Ohio State's got a better quarterback, right? You take the quarterback, but Mac Jones has Joe Burrow numbers. Uh, Their running back is Najee Harris. They're they might have Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. Um, their offensive line, I think, is comparable. Um, and Ohio State's the, – it's the two defenses that seem to be weak uh, at times. So, like, my thing that I said was 
I think it's possible that Ohio State has a distinct advantage over other opponents that Alabama has had because their defensive line collectively is playing the best that they've ever played as a unit together right now, and Mac Jones has not been rattled much this year. And if Ohio Mm -hmm. State was able to rattle Trevor Lawrence um, the way that they were, if they can get into Mac Jones' face, I think there is a universe that exists where a rattled Mac Jones opens the door for Ohio State to potentially win this game. If Ohio State is able to rattle Trevor Lawrence – who is the best quarterback prospect in the last 10 years in college football, then they can do it to Mac Jones too if the pressure's there. Yep, I think I think that is – that's certainly my key on the defensive side is, is can they get pressure in Mac Jones' face? Because I've not – I still need to watch more Alabama. I'm going to have another film study story later this week. But just like watching them throughout the year – and like discussing Alabama with people throughout the year, like I always watch them. I think to myself, like, does it, like, is anyone ever in Mac Jones' face? Like, has anyone ever bothered him? And there was a play against Notre Dame that I saw before I stopped watching the game because it was a blowout where like he spun out of pressure, threw on the run. I was like, oh, that looked pretty good. Like, I didn't know he could do that. But if you look at his numbers overall this year, like he's not been pressured at all. So, and I don't know, Alabama's offensive line is really good. Um, I it won the Joe Moore Award for best offensive line in the country. I think that's warranted. Sometimes that award's a little weird. Like LSU won it last year, I don't think they should have, but but Alabama won it this year, and, and I and I think that's deserved. Um, so generating that kind of pressure against Alabama is going to be much tougher, I think, than it was against Clemson. But it's not impossible, and I think if they can bother Mac Jones, who's not mobile at all, you don't worry about quarterback running this game. Um, I, I think they can swing the game for Ohio State. But when you ask me that question, where does Ohio State have an identifiable advantage? I immediately thought of Ohio State's offensive line and and their ability to run the ball against Alabama. Um, neither of these defenses, I think, are particularly good. But I do think when you think of a typical Nick Saban Alabama defense, you think of like monsters on the defensive line, right? And and I don't think they have that. I don't really think they have that in the front seven. They're very good in the front seven because they're Alabama and they're always going to be very good. But I don't know if they're like elite or, or game changing in the front seven. And Ohio State's offensive line is like playing out of its mind right now. And it's kind of crazy because I, I think rhythm is very important in that position. And they played like three games in 40 days and – in all three of those games, they had a different starting five combination. But that that five, and I would assume that probably Matt Jones would play in, in place of Harry Miller again in the national title game, they were really good against Clemson. They owned them, I think, like from the jump. They protected Justin Fields really well, but more importantly, they just knocked them off the ball. And if you look at Alabama's metrics compared to Clemson's coming in from a defensive line standpoint, um, they don't really stack up. They're not a huge tackle for loss team. They're not super sturdy against the run. Um and, and Ohio State's offensive line is, is – I don't know if it is the best in the country, but I think it could be playing like the best in the country. Now, similar to how it felt in 2014, like I don't know total body of work if you were to say those guys were the best offensive line all year long, but they were the best when it mattered the most. And, and I think Ohio State's offensive line is trending towards that now. So you got to throw on Bama to beat them, and you got to throw deep shots on Bama to beat them, but I think you set that up by running the ball the way they did against Clemson, and I think they're going to be able to do that against Alabama. Man. I can't believe what we're hearing. It's all true, but I can't believe it. Hello, Paris Johnson. I just watched that clip, and I I didn't see that during the game, and that was pretty good. <laughs> it's it's like it's, they're missing their starting left guard. Matthew Jones starts in his place, and then Matthew Jones gets hurt, and Paris Johnson comes in, and like like none of it mattered. They're shuffling pieces all over the place on the offensive line, and like hasn't mattered at all in their last three games. Shout out the stud. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We both. I don't know if we talked about this in the last podcast, but I guess you can never talk about it too much. But is this starting to feel like 2014 to you? Um, it's like in 14, they beat Alabama and then like, I did not hesitate. I knew, like, I felt very strongly they were going to beat Oregon. I don't feel as strongly that they're going to beat Alabama this year. I think they can, and maybe I'll end up picking them, but I don't like, I thought, I remember saying this in a video we shot with Doug at the hotel in Dallas before the title game. And I said, I think Ohio State's better than Oregon everywhere, but quarterback because Oregon had Marcus Mariota. And he looked at me, he's like, everywhere but quarterback? And I said, yeah, everywhere but quarterback. And, like, they just, like, they were so much better than that team. It was obvious. And, that, like, Ohio State might be better than Alabama, but it's not as obvious heading into it. So, it, like, team of destiny, whatever, like, that kind of stuff, I, like, it does feel like that's in the air a little bit. But I don't feel the same way going into the championship. Like, I was pretty sure they were going to beat Oregon. I'm not sure about this. Yeah. Yeah, also, I don't know like if you could say Ohio State's better than Alabama everywhere but quarterback. I think that they are worse than Alabama everywhere but, but quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, it's like the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that makes you feel better. I don't know. I think offensive lines are a wash. I mean, you want to break it down and try to break it down? Let's break it down. I don't know if I know Alabama's personnel quite as deeply as you do, so, so let's lead the way here. But I think Ohio State's got a better quarterback and a better defensive line than Alabama. Yeah. Their I, think Ohio State's got, I think Ohio State's got better linebackers. Ohio State has better linebackers. Secondary, I'm just going to blindly say Alabama. I'm going to write this down. Hold on. Okay. Running back, receiver, O-line, D-line, linebackers, secondary. So we think Ohio State's got linebackers, defensive line, quarterback. Quarterback. And offensive line is a tie. Tie. Okay. Can already see where this is headed. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, we're going to end up on a wash. Uh, Najee Harris, you take Najee Harris over Trey Sermon? I'm not taking Eddie George over Trey Sermon right now. Yes, I take Najee Harris over. <laughs> it's hard, right? Because Trey Sermon's playing really well, but it's like Najee Harris is awesome. Najee Harris is a better running back than Trey Sermon. Like, I don't know. Like, what are we doing? I, like, he I, I, is. I'm, I'm not like, there clearly, yet. <laughs> clearly he is, but it's like, is he? <laughs> I mean, like, he might be a better running back. I don't know who's going to be more productive. Yeah. No, that's a, very, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> but I'll, put that, yeah. I'll, put that as a, I'll put that as a check for Alabama with, like, a Could you a imagine shruggy, a shruggy if somebody guy. took that clip from our podcast today and transported it back to a month ago? <laughs> yeah. Like, like what? The what wait, what the <laughs> Is this parody? <laughs> Najee Harris gets the nod. Receivers. I, I think that Ohio State's receivers cumulatively are just as good as cumulatively what nobody's as good as Devontae Smith, but Olave and Wilson is deadly. I, I would I would say that's a tie. If Waddle was playing in a hundred percent, I would give it to Bama for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean But it is yeah. God, I feel like an idiot saying this, but I also feel like it's not that crazy. Why do you feel like an idiot? Ohio State's got like 10 five-star prospects. I just worry all the time about sounding like an Ohio State homer because I don't want to be one. Um, I think well, I, would the, I would give the These two teams are very similarly built, so it's not a homer thing. to. I mean, they're similarly built. They've got – what does the Alabama problem, have the two problem more, is, more blue-chip prospects on their entire 85-man roster than Ohio State? It's literally the same. The problem is, is that as we're breaking this down this way, it's like pushing me towards wanting to pick Ohio State. <laughs> I don't really want to do that because um, I think it's a little crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're like picking things because we're too close to one side of it and we are not experts on Bama. Like, I don't know how like sound of a pick our our decision to put Ohio State's linebackers are. Like I don't know the answer to that. Maybe that's that's clearly the case, but I think it'd be interesting to like, and maybe we'll do this. I don't know uh, before the game, getting Aaron Suttles on here and just asking him this question because I think he might have a different perspective of it. Because like I view Ohio State's linebackers as like the number one punching bag 
for Ohio State fans in the last two years. Like, now we're going to say they're better than Bama's linebackers. And maybe so. I mean, they all, like, Justin Hilliard played like Ray Lewis out there. So, like, I don't know what. Like, yeah, I think anyone who uh, anyone who's criticizing Ohio State linebackers this year, like, really doesn't know what they're looking at. You just don't know. And I think it's a hard position to evaluate, and the evaluation of it has changed because offense has changed. But if you think they're not good, then you don't know what you're looking at. And I get it like Tough Borland's like a little when, slow. I like when you get all – yeah, Tough Borland's the MVP of the semifinals, so put some respect on that name. That's right. Man's name is Tough. Um, I think uh, – I'm going to remove the tie give, from offensive line. I'm gonna, I would give the, the nod for offensive line to Alabama. It's close, but I'd give them the nod. Okay, maybe maybe give – you mean for at receiver? No, no. For off- I'm just going back through these because we had offensive line as a tie. Um, I would take – I think Ohio State is better at quarterback. Alabama, I would take Najee Harris, but it's close, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Ohio um, State's better at tight end. Jaleel Billingsley is pretty good. Yeah, he is. Um, but I mean, like, but, cumulatively. I mean, you, I don't yeah, know if I would doing take, this. I would take Ohio State's tight end. I think the interesting dynamic here of – Who's got the best type, like position group, and who's got the best player in that position group are not always the same answer. Like I think I would yeah. take Ohio State's wide receiver room, but I think Alabama's got the best receiver. I would take, um, I would take Ohio State's tight end room, but I think it's you could make the case that Alabama has the best tight end. So it's like a little bit, it's it's a little bit hard to pick about like how that's going to have an impact on the game because. You put yourself in a position where there's only one playing a lot of times. But, like, Mac Jones, even though you give Ohio State the quarterback advantage, Mac Jones has put up video game numbers this year. So, like, just because Ohio State's quarterback yeah. is physically better doesn't mean that he can't be more effective. And, like, I think that's kind of the danger that you get into when you start talking about this. It's like Najee Harris is a better running back, and he's going to be like Derrick Henry, who I saw uh, – led the NFL in rushing and would uh, would have been fourth in the league in rushing if he didn't play in the first half of any of his games this year. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the guy might not have as many rushing yards as Sermon at the end of the game because Ohio State's offensive line has a bigger advantage on Alabama's defensive line than vice versa. So it's like I don't think this is always the cleanest way to break down a game. But when you're looking at – basically, I think the takeaway here is that if you – if you look at the entire position breakdown, you're looking at two teams that are very similarly talented and very evenly distributed. And when you look at the 247 composite talent rankings, they're right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And if you look at their recruiting classes this year, Alabama kind of took away a little bit because they got a few more commitments at the end, but they're also identical. And it's like these two teams are very similarly built, and it's a matter of whether or not you think that Nick Saban and his staff are more prone or more apt to get more out of their players in Ohio State coaching staff is and I think I can make the argument right now that no Ohio State coaching staff in the history of the program has gotten more out of their roster than Ohio State did on on Saturday yeah I mean they they maxed out for sure Um, and if you're talking about maxed out Ohio State I think they can beat anybody in the country and I think that that's a fair statement to say I also agree with that I think that's true I'm confused man I don't know what I'm going to pick in this game I gotta watch more Alabama I mean, one team is getting two scores, so I think that we know what side I would. No, I would yeah. Pick. If I were I mean, if I were betting, I know what side I would bet for sure. Um, but I'm not. Oh, I did right. I did the big football show with Audrey Snyder um, that ran on Tuesday, and I asked, just like asked her what she thought, and she said like, like she was considering picking picking Ohio State to win, and I said like if you would have asked me before the playoff, you think Ohio State won a national title? I'd be like, no way. Um, and now I'm I'm thinking twice about it. It's crazy what blowing out Clemson and looking perfect and seeing Justin Hilliard run all over the field like Lawrence right. Taylor and, yeah. uh, you know, what, Eddie George in the backfield and, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Their defensive ends were, were on fire. Like, everything that you would want to see. It, it's like, too, I was listening to Doug's podcast, um, Buckeye Talk, and they're like, what would be if – you, if you had – one of their questions was, what would you say was Ohio State's weakness – or, like, what did they do poorly in Clemson? Like, I don't even know how to answer that question. What didn't they do well? Did they not tackle, tackle really well? Tackle yeah. in the secondary. Which is, like, a huge deal against Alabama. Yeah, why? Defensive backs well, tackle. It's not that big of a deal. Because Devontae Smith what is, is the baddest man on the planet. Does Devontae Smith have yak? <laughs> He's got yak. He's got yak for days. Um, Najee Harris also has yak. But if Ohio State gives up 221 yards and two touchdown receptions to Devontae Smith, can they still win? Uh yeah, how many more touchdowns are you going to score? If he scores two and Najee Harris scores, I'm not talking. That's all I'm saying. Blindly going into the game, 
if I told you Devontae Smith is going to have 221 yards receiving and two touchdown catches, would that change your perspective of who you would want to pick going into the game? Maybe, because I'm not even thinking about the yards. I'm just thinking about the scores. So if he's only scoring twice. Only? Like you think that that's like a plus for Ohio State? If he only scores twice, <laughs> I think maybe it could be. I'm just trying to do the. It's, 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 it's like, what do you think? Like, what think is this guy supposed to, to do? I think it's legitimately first to fifty. <laughs> I think that's what this game is, or like first to forty-eight or forty-nine or whatever. Um, like I I'm like I just like I just like gave a you a shootout. stat line of like an absolute monster of a game, and like that's where we're at right now. Where you might think, you might think if he only has like a one of the best stat lines humanly possible for a receiver in a college football playoffs final that that would be that would be good news the over slipping too it's down to 74 so Devonte smith had three touchdowns against notre dame two against florida uh, he didn't score against arkansas i guess maybe he didn't play that much he had three against lsu two against auburn two against kentucky or three or four against mississippi state <laughs> two against georgia it's like yeah if you hold Devonte smith to two that's a good day for yeah. <laughs> considering some of the some of the results he's had this year Two is about. It looks like he's, yeah. I feel I feel okay about two. Yeah, two hundred twenty-one yards is a lot, though. That's a lot. Yeah, you're moving the ball if you're doing that. Unless it's just like he has a two, eighty-yard touchdown, two eighty-yard touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about Ohio State. It's kind of strange. Like they give up all these big plays, but they're not a team that gets the ball moved on them regularly. Like teams have not teams. A team has yet to march up and down the field in Ohio State like consistently all year. It's very bizarre, and but yeah. they also haven't seen anything close. To, like Alabama's, everyone last year talked about like LSU's offense is once in a lifetime. It's the best offense ever. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it. And like Alabama's is better, <laughs> like statistically. If Joe Burrow's numbers are a little better than Mac Jones, if Joe Burrow had more games, um, but in terms of like points per possession and like available yards and stuff like that, this Alabama offense is better. Yeah. Have fun, Ohio State. Yeah, good luck. Godspeed. <laughs> no, I think I, – I mean, I think I, – I, I have every confidence in the world that Ohio State's offense can hang with Alabama's and, and keep it close if not if not outscore them. But I think that's what this game is. I was not yeah. so sure that the, the Sugar Bowl was going to be a blowout I am or a shootout. I am very sure this is going to be a shootout. So we've got about five more minutes left, and I, I think that – you know we're going to do another podcast before we, you know, head into the game. But did you want to talk about Urban and, and Jim Harbaugh for five minutes? The twelve million dollar man, Urban Meyer. Yeah, um, it seems legit, right? It seems like it seems like maybe this is going to happen. Urban Meyer to the Jaguars. I, I feel I, I I I don't think he would have talked to me about it. Like I talked to Urban on Monday for the story I'm writing about 2014 Alabama, and like I considered like making a joke about the Jaguars just to see like what he would say. Um, and I didn't do it because I didn't want them to get mad at me. It makes me a bad reporter, I guess. Were you afraid? But, no, no, I wasn't afraid. It was just like we were having a good conversation about the 2014 Alabama game. I didn't want to like derail it. <laughs> She'd be like, hey, so uh, speaking of the 2014 Alabama game, how do you think the Jacksonville Jaguars would have stacked up in the middle of that Yeah, it's one? Like, like if Justin plays well in this game, like will you draft him instead of, instead of Trevor? I um, think that if he's ever going to make the jump into the NFL, that this makes sense. And it's always been a matter of what he's up for physically. It's never been a matter of whether or not it would be an attractive thing for him to try. So, like, now that you're in a situation where uh, you can go back to a place that he's very familiar with in in terms of, uh, you know, part of the country, I I love that, you know, opportunity for him. And I also saw, like, some pretty crazy stats. Um, And I'm trying to find them on my phone right now because I texted them to a friend about the the Jaguars. But – Jacksonville is set up very, very nicely right now. Mm-hmm. Two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a third-round pick, um, seven fourth through seven-round picks. So, like, he can go in and, like, be a part of a very important draft for them. Also have $81 million in in cap space, which is the best of all job openings. And it's in a part of the country where you get Trevor Lawrence and you're familiar. Like, what if you're ever going to take a job, I think that this one would make the most sense. Instead of like just going to whatever random job in whatever random city comes open, like is he going to go coach the Lions in two years? So this is something that's like attractive to him, and it doesn't 
Jacksonville's owner, like some crazy rich guy who just wants to throw money around and do whatever he can yeah. and, and put whirlpools in everybody's individual locker. And like, wasn't he like, like one of the best owners in sports to work for apparently? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. And he's loaded. I could see it happen. He's one of the richest men in the world. I think, um, I could see it happening. I, uh, Jacksonville, I don't think Urban would go to the NFL for like a massive rebuild. I don't think Jacksonville is a massive rebuild. You're going to get your quarterback. They have DJ Chark. James Robinson's a pretty good running back. Um, I think they probably need to build around, build out the offensive line, but they have two first-round picks, like you said. They have a shit ton of cap money. They got dudes on defense. Um, I think Jacksonville is is a franchise that can become a playoff team, and like it's contingent on Trevor, but I think they can become a playoff team in like two years. Yeah, maybe even maybe even next year if Trevor's awesome as a rookie. So yeah. like if he was ever going to make the jump, um, that is like exactly the kind of opportunity you'd want to walk into. Like because it mitigates the the losing. Like I don't think Jacksonville is going to go four and twelve next year, um, and I do think that'd be hard for Urban. Though I also believe that he understands that he needs to recalibrate if he's going to do this. So I don't think it'd be something that destroys him like some other people think. Um, but I also believe that Jacksonville could be like nine and seven next year. Yeah, unless Urban goes out and I just I, I mean, I'm not hire uh, some dingbat to be his offensive coordinator. I'm not a uh, Herman's available. Um, I <laughs> am not much of a NFL whiz the way that I mean maybe even you are because you find this stuff fascinating. But I just feel like when you look at teams in the NFL who middle around and are bad for long periods of time, that they just have a hard time finding their quarterback. And I feel like the hardest thing to do in the NFL is to find your long-term solution at quarterback. And Urban would step into a scenario right now where he would have the closest thing to a sure thing as a rookie quarterback possible. And I think Mm -hmm. that that in general, and the fact that it's in Florida, in a place that doesn't have crazy expectations like the Patriots, I I think that it would be an easier job from a stress standpoint than it would be coaching Ohio State. You can lose games and and learn from them, which Urban Meyer's done very well during his 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 career at Ohio State, like I think that it'd be a very entertaining thing to watch, and I think it would make a ton of sense if he wanted to do it. What I don't know is if Urban Meyer is like on the on the hook here and might be the next Jacksonville coach. Like, what does that mean for Jim Harbaugh, who now reportedly wants to get out into the league? Which surprised me because he struck me as somebody who would be too stubborn to give up before succeeding, rather than leaving as the guy that didn't accomplish everything he could have. And like, like him willingly wanting to walk away, zero and five against Ohio State, or what is it? Owen is it zero and five? He's zero and five, yeah. Yeah, against Ohio State seems uh, very odd to me. There's there's a weird thing happening. I feel like there are more um, reports of college coaches being interested in the NFL right now than there typically are, because you have you have Urban obviously, who's unemployed but is still a college coach. Harbaugh, Pat Fitzgerald's like gotten his name out there. Dan Mullen put his name out there. Um, I think maybe like Matt Campbell's name is out there, and maybe there's some others that, that I'm forgetting. But I, I do think on some level there's a little bit of trepidation among college coaches um, Like as we head into this era where players have more agency and there's going to be NIL stuff and there's the one-time transfer rule and like players are just getting a little more empowered. And um, it's going to change college football a little bit. I don't think for the worse. I think for the better. But it's like a different kind of set of challenges for college coaches to deal with, and maybe they would just rather avoid the headache altogether and like try to jump to the NFL where roster management is not easier, but it's different, and you're not dealing with that kind of stuff. And um, I don't know that like to me makes those coaches like if you're jumping for that reason, like I don't know, screw you. I hope you go lose and go zero and sixteen in the NFL. But I think that's possible. Like if you're if you're if you're looking to leave college football because you're upset because players are about to be up about to become empowered like have fun coaching millionaires um but i do think that's part of the equation here um and i do think like i don't I don't know like jim harbaugh's thing just I, I think he's had enough proof that whatever his thing is like doesn't really resonate with college players because michigan's not very good and maybe he thinks it can resonate with nfl players or maybe he just thinks he's better suited for that um i think maybe he might just be cooked and I, I wouldn't hire him if I were an NFL franchise, but it's not going to surprise me one bit if someone does because that's all the NFL does is, is recycle coaches who don't deserve second or third or fourth chances. Yeah. It's crazy. So who's an NFL coach first? I think Urban will be an NFL. Like, I I, I think last last time we talked about this, he's like, do you think Urban's going to coach me? both? So like, no, immediately. Like, I've changed my mind on that. I think I'd be surprised now if Urban's not the Jaguars coach. 
So I think Urban will be one before Harbaugh. It does seem to have changed a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. What if Harbaugh gets hired by the Texans and he has to coach against Urban twice a year? <laughs> Do you think he'd turn it down? If the only if Urban gets, gets know a Jaguars job, like if Urban gets a Jaguars job and the only NFL team that will hire Jim Harbaugh is the Houston Texans and he has to go coach against Urban twice a year, do you think he'd turn it down? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> but uh, it would be crazy if he went 0-2 against the Jags the first year. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, that's another thing. That, it's like not Ohio State's in a national championship. And when Urban, if when Urban does make that jump, we'll, we'll talk a lot about it because it's going to be fascinating. But it's in the news right now, along with Ohio State and Alabama getting prepared for their national championship on January 11th in Miami. Uh, I'm in Florida, so I'll probably just swing by and, and watch the game. Um, or maybe I'll hang here near the palm trees and the hot tub and, and watch it on television. But uh, we'll have another show later this week. We'll give our picks at some point. Uh, I think get you guys involved with, with some Q&A as well. Um, but it's uh, it's pretty crazy that we've gotten to this point. Ohio State is about to play in the national championship against Alabama. And, and I certainly didn't think that, that we'd be talking about it. I don't think Ari did either, but but here we are doing it. So yeah, thanks it for fun. listening. Two, four to six with A and B. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars on Apple would be swell. Subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash four dash six. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys later in the week. Mm-hmm.